Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, this is Bob. Just jumping in before this episode starts. Uh, you're about to hear an episode of Weird Tales Revisited with me and Rick and I'm just warning you that this episode we had some sound issues this does happen from time to time Um, so unfortunately um, Rick's audio did not record properly but I did manage to salvage a backup recording and uh, you'll hear that now so what it, it sounds almost like he's calling into the show basically like he's on the end of a phone line But to be honest, your ears will adjust pretty quickly. I found that my ears adjusted pretty quickly when I was editing it. And in five minutes time, you'll just be used to it. And it sounds okay. Uh, Good enough for us to feel like we're happy to put it out anyway. And everything should be back to normal next time. But it does sound different. So I just thought I'd let you know before you listen. Anyway, this was a fun one. Me and Rick talk about crop circles. So enjoy. Hello, you're listening to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable, and this is a Weird Tales Revisited episode, the first one for a while. So as usual, I'm joined for my co- with my co-host uh, for these, Mr. Rick Dove. Hello there. And uh, and, I'm, and I'm Bob Shoy. I forgot to re- introduce myself. <laughs> Does help. Uh, guests can go first. Um, so today we are talking about crop circles a topic i thought was going to be really dense and loads to it and it really isn't that much to it <laughs> it's one of those topics i think that's like a mile wide but a centimeter thick if you know what i mean it seems like yeah. there's a lot out there and you go whoa this is just such a big topic but as soon as you start digging you're like it's just some pictures in a field in a few places yeah around the world. it's so niche so we talked about it um in the very early days of weird house but only briefly maybe like a 15 20 minute segment on an episode about uh, aliens if we just did a general like our first aliens episode was just here's some things about aliens we talked a bit about you know uh probing and, <laughs> and crop circles and and types of aliens and different things like that but it was always one i wanted to sort of revisit deeper and i've actually been holding off for a long time in 2018 i was contacted by a listener um who used to make crop circles wow and they said, you know, any if you want to do an episode on a full episode on crop circles, I can help you out. I can give you all this information. I need to be anonymous because it is illegal. I don't think they did it anymore, but they had done it in the past. Um, and then I said, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And then I, c- I couldn't find a good 
place to slot it into the schedule. And then eventually last year, I contacted them back and said, are you ready to do this now? And I didn't hear anything. So I've given them like half a year. And now I've just gone, okay, me and Rick can do this. That's a shame. That would have been such an interesting thing to have someone who's actually in, in the field, as it were. I would have had to mask their voice, but that would have been fun as well. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Taking the deep throat. Um, but they said the interesting thing about it is, um, so first and foremost, listeners, like crop circles are, are not really <laughs> very unexplained, is what I've come to find out. Um, but they said the interesting thing about it is if you've been in the scene the crop circle scene for a while, you start to recognize who's done what ones. Um, so if they see one online or something, they're like, ah, oh, I know who's done that one. Like what group or what person's done it. And I sort of started equating it into my head like graffiti. Yeah, so I, that's exactly what comes to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. If you start in the graffiti world, if you into it, you would recognize different artist styles and, and their tags and things like that. And that's mm. really what crop circles is a little bit like. It's an illegal activity. It takes place at night um, by artists, basically. And it is just like big alien graffiti. It is amazing, though, the skill that is put into it, you know, um, assuming we are going with the it is man-made hypothesis. Well, I guess we'll talk about some of the other theories as well. But yeah, we'll stick with the man-made for now. Yeah, it's just, uh, the the level of design that goes into it, like all the fractals and the all the, mm. the the phenomenal patterns they're able to make just by treading around with some boards. It's it's beautiful. It really is. Ah, so treading around with some boards, Rick. Tell me how they make crop circles. <laughs> so, as I understand it, at least, is they um, they try and follow the tracks where um, tractors have driven along or farming equipment's driven along, so they don't disturb the crops and make an obvious path into the middle. And they take their planned out designs and they will take a large plank of wood uh, i've read about four foot wide they tie mm-hmm. a piece of uh, rope to each end so they can hold it in their hands and they use it to stomp down and shape all of the the, the, the crops that they're trying to tread down and over time yeah. they build up those patterns by walking around in circles or waving it, pushing it down in lines yeah i if you if you can't quite visualize it uh listeners i do advise just watching someone do it it's so unglamorous uh-huh. <laughs> it's yeah. an old bit of wood with two bits of rope um, and they call them stalk stompers i didn't come across that in my research that's brilliant i did a last little bit of research today and i saw i saw them referred to as stalk stompers so they just push them down with one foot really mm. in front of them and step forward at a time as they do it so, I mean, going back a little bit, the uh, the sort of first reports that I heard about this, uh, there was some stuff in Australia in uh, mm. 1932. Uh, with oh, so- wow, that's earlier than I even saw. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the majority that I've seen seems to crop up around the 70s in England, but the very earliest yeah. ones, 1932 in Australia, and it seems to have been attributed mostly to lightning strikes, dust devils, and downdrafts because it's just right. circular patterns. None of the sort of phenomenal shapes and patterning that we get uh, in the sort of modern era. But but going back, there, there was one that I found from um, from ancient times even. And this this this, wow. one, this one was great. Um, so in 1678. There was a news pamphlet in Hertfordshire, my home county. I was very, mm. very proud. Um, titled The Mowing Devil or Strange News Out of Hertfordshire. <laughs> and uh, it's allegedly a story of a, uh, a local farmer who refused to uh, pay a man to cut his grass. And he said, I would rather the devil did it. 
And apparently, uh, he woke up in the morning, there was a large circle cut perfectly in his field, and they said it could only be attributed to the devil himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that So one. maybe there is some uh, unexplainable stuff to this, after all. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the only uh, the only sort of anecdotal evidence I've seen of Satan getting involved, or any sort of mysticism behind crop circles, really. So before we completely dismiss this as only being something that people do in the dead of night, yes, um, there is a sort of percent percentile of like ones that are unexplained. Mm. So I said that if you're in the scene, you start to recognise other people's work and you can sort of see how they do different ones. But a lot of people who are crop uh, crop circle makers or whatever they want to call themselves um say that they can recognize about 80 percent of them mm. there's still about 20 percent which they can't quite pin down who did it or how they did that one and stuff so there is an element of mystery to that final 20 percent that's interesting but i mean the thing i'd ask there is are the patterning on those ones particularly different are they massively elegant or are they a bit more basic or uh that i do not know yeah and then that's the thing because you know if, if, if you if they're trying to say oh maybe those ones are the aliens then um mm. i i would suggest that they would probably be a bit more intricate or otherworldly in some way because mm-hmm. I mean, digging right down to the very core of it why the fuck would aliens do that what are they trying yeah. to convey? I think the most sort of <laughs> the most believable argument for aliens, the <laughs> the argument that people say as aliens is it's the shape. Some of the more round ones, it's the shape that the a saucer, <laughs> the UFO, <laughs> makes as it lands. It's like whether it's their landing print. So it's the shape of the engines and stuff, then- and um, or it like burns some of the crop away as it takes off but then there'd be like scorch marks and stuff right yes is it and then in these reported ufo cases it's always just like lights in the sky and the like why, why would you know surely someone by now would have seen some sort of bizarre yeah. pattern underneath them i can't believe we're less than 10 minutes in you've already found a hole in this theory <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we, we tend to shred everything that we talk about <laughs> i know i really feel like we get lumbered with the stuff that's really unbelievable I know, I know. i'll have to come up with something for the next one rick where we're actually like very mystified i, I, I love it i thought there would be more mysticism to this because i didn't realize how clear-cut crop circles were as something that had basically been explained mm. So you said the earliest ones, Australia in the 30s. I'd heard about some in Australia in the 60s okay, as well. And um, so an Englishman was visiting Australia and he had um, heard about them and he liked the idea and he was an artist himself. And then when he came back to England, he thought, I'm going to give this a go. So this is a man that you would have definitely come across, I imagine, Dave Chorley. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, so this... This is Dave Chorley. He got the idea from his visit to Australia. Ah. And he, um, with a friend called Doug Bauer, who was also an artist, they said, let's do this. Let's give this a go. Let's make some really pat- some patterns and we'll do them on the crops. And it was just like graffiti artists is just to do something in the dead of night to make a, a cool piece of art mm. uh, with a little air of mystery. And they first started doing this in 1978. And I think it was first in Wiltshire. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very interesting region. I'll come back to that in a bit. Mm. So, uh, oh, the one, the date I've got here is the um, Australian ones was 1966. Okay. 
So there was there was some in Australia in 1966, but yeah, the first one that Dave Chorley and Doug Bauer did was in 1978. And then they, using planks and ropes, this the stalk stompers method, um, they sort of made these around all of Wiltshire and Hampshire uh, until it was pretty much solved in 1987. And then they confessed to it in 1991. Mm, so I read, yeah. And it was big news. Interestingly, when it when it comes to to Wiltshire, even in later cases that I've seen, so I'll, I'll just I'll tell you this little statistic, and I'll tell you a bit about this website I found. So okay. this this site that's got this database is it's called CropCircleResearch.com. It's it's not online anymore. I found it via the Wayback Machine, so you can go on there, type it in, and find this exact info. But there was a section on there where it said in 2006, 58 cases out of 72 worldwide were in England and out of those cases um, 53 were in Wiltshire right there's a massive concentration even throughout the years and the other research that I found is in Wiltshire in southeast England that's amazing it is considered like it's the place that comes up again and again when I was looking at research it is sort Mm -hmm. of like the home of crop circles yeah so this um this this site is yeah as I say it's www.cropcircleresearch.com on the way back machine and run by a chap called Paul Vige. Um mm-hmm. he's he's dead now passed away in two thousand nine. Um, I'll try and be as respectful as I possibly can. Yeah, you know, he's obviously got his set of beliefs and everything, but it's uh it's one of those topics that it's a bit hard not to poke a, a little fun at. Yeah, but it's it's quite an interesting chap actually because he was um he's an English computer consultant and he was known for his work on developing and supporting. Have you ever heard of uh, Riscos? Uh, doesn't ring a bell. Do, do you ever use Acorn computers when you were at school? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if I, I don't know if your US listeners will know uh, about this one, but Riscos and uh, Acorns were legendary in British schools. It pretty much. I mean, from... I should have. Sorry, I should have said um, no. I don't because then I'm showing my age that I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, it might make you feel a bit better when when I say I grew up with BBC micros. Did you ever have those? Oh, I don't, I don't remember that one. Actually, now I'm sure my age. So yeah. I went from BBC Micros to um, Acorns and Riscos, and even at those at the start of secondary school, and then this magic thing called a Windows operating system came in. Yeah. <laughs> so he um, he worked on that, but he was also a uh, quote unquote leading expert on uh, UFOs and crop circles. Do you know? Do you have the name of what they call themselves, crop circle um, experts? I don't know. They refer to themselves as seriologists is the proper name. Oh, interesting. Yeah, seriologists. Hmm, I learned something new today. Hmm. So, just to tell I'll, I'll read a little bit about, um, well, this is this is a quote from, from the website. Um, I'm going to expand on this a little bit, but it says, Crop Circle researcher Paul Vige first started investigating the crop circle phenomena in 1989 and has since encountered many aspects of strange and anomalous phenomena. He was one of the discoverers of unexplainable electromagnetic effects in and around crop circles, and coming from a scientific and academic background, he was one of the pioneers of electromagnetic research into crop circles. Um, it says, because hoaxes can't replicate some of the measurable electromagnetic effects being te- detected, and orthodox scientists are either in un- uninterested or close-minded to our results. Paul has continued investigating the electromagnetic effects in and around crop circle sites. And here's where it gets a little bit more wacky. Mm, okay. <laughs> you knew it was coming. 
Important discoveries into harmonics and resonant frequencies led Paul to become the first researcher to link crop circles with sound, vibration, and harmonic resonances, leading to the production of circular harmonies, a synthesis of meditational tones created by crop circle geometry. Working oh. with fellow researcher Gerald Hawkins led to a number of exciting discoveries and applications related to the dimensions of sound, healing, and holistic therapy methods. And that was pretty much the point where I went, oh, fuck this. Hmm. So isn't... Is, where's Stonehenge? Is Stonehenge in Wiltshire? Uh, it's down that way, yeah. I it's think, down that I way. I'm it's... just I'm trying to like tie these things together, like, you know, I think it the is, mysticism <laughs> aspect. I hate driving past Stonehenge. The, the road that leads down to it is such a bastard. It's a... It goes from a two lane into a one lane. Oh, this could be so boring for you, listeners. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. <laughs> it's like it's like a mile long, and every bastard drives down there at like 20 miles an hour to crane their neck at some distant rocks in a field. It's like if you want to go to Stonehenge, go to bloody Stonehenge. Oh, I know it because oh. uh, when I was younger, um, after my parents separated, my dad started seeing a woman. A woman, um, and he would visit from where he was living down to her house, and sometimes I would go along, and they we would have to drive past Stonehenge on that route. Then, ah, and, yeah, uh, <laughs> and I was one of the people who was like, "Slow down, Dad! <laughs> I want to look at the boring old rocks." <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, Stonehenge is near Salisbury, which is indeed in Wiltshire. Yay! Mm. So you know, I'm just trying to make some sort of link because that's a circle that's oh, mysterious. That's a, that's you know, a... this is. That's got ties to uh, Druidic history and all that sort of thing as mm-hmm. well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very traditional sort of area. And but, um, lots of fields around there as well, so it's probably just uh, absolutely rife. I mean, that's where uh, Salisbury Plain is as well, where the military do their testing. So mm. it's uh, a lot, a hell of a lot of open land. Maybe it isn't UFOs. Like, all the people who say UFOs are military aircraft testing, maybe they're landing on the crops, and, <laughs> and uh, that's what it is. You're on something, mate. <laughs> I mean, we're really trying to string these things together now. Yeah, so there's um, there's there's a database on crop circle research and a bunch of other stuff. Um, it's worth taking a little look if you've got any interest in in the topic. Uh, but yeah, it does get a little bit weird. You know, there's a tab at the top that says spiritual wisdom and another one that says mm-hmm. dreams. So, and and th- this guy's whole thing about uh, electromagnetic research is essentially he built a little device. Uh, there's a there's a link on the site to look at what he calls his gizmo. Um, and he, he tested it on some corn that his mother had picked. And uh, that was one of the things that helped convince him that uh, certain corn that has been around UFOs or whatever is causing crop circles has a certain uh, electromagnetic frequency to it. And that's what will tell the difference between a real and a fake crop circle. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I did. Th- there were some tests that people did that said that the corn that had been flattened was different to the corn that hadn't and they were trying to link i i i was sort of getting lost in it because i was like <laughs> really uh like like you said there so had different uh sort of uh, properties uh some of them saying the ones that were flattened were the corns that had more produce on them were the <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> i sort of sort of zone out because it's amazing to me that even after the whole hoax was sort of revealed there were the diehards who refused to believe it and they were like, no, that's a hoax. It's actually aliens. 
It's almost like flat earthers, though, isn't it? It's that sort of culty kind of like I've invested so much of my energy and time into yeah. this, or my belief is so strong that it is definitely this. I cannot be swayed. Well, I think if they started in '78 and then they sort of owned up to it in '91, mm. you've got what 13 years there of people who are sort of becoming seriologists. Yeah. And then when someone says no, it's just a big hoax. They don't want to look like prats. So mm-hmm. they go, no, 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 they're the hoaxes. What we've been researching is the real thing. Yeah. Or they're a, trying to throw our scent off it or something. There's, there's a big spiel on this website here, actually, where he says, uh, was it, governments have discussed them, then sought to confuse and misinform the populace through their control and manipulation of popular media. The military have endangered life and safety in order to investigate and monitor crop formations, yet they deny involvement. Hollywood has sought to manipulate the truth and credibility of scientific evidence and facts, yet filmgoers become ever more intrigued. It's a really evocative. Wow. He's, he's a very passionate man. Yeah, passionate was the word I was about to use. <laughs> so I don't know if you um, looked up any news reports of the time. Because um, I watched a few news reports from 91 when it was sort of revealed to see if people were just sort of accepting or if at the time when it was revealed there were people saying like, no, 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 it's a hoax. Mm. And... Um, a lot of them are pretty bad quality because it's people who have like old VHSs they record off the telly. But I did find one that wasn't bad, um, and that's the one from uh, South Today. Okay. So South Today, nineteen ninety-one. I'll play a couple of minutes of this uh, news report when um, when Dave Chorley and Doug Bauer fessed up to it. It's a mystery as old as the hills. Just how do these perfect circles appear in the middle of cornfields? It's baffled scientists, it's baffled experts, it's even baffled the newspapers. Over the years, the suggestions as to how the circles get there have been getting, well, cornier. Could it be the work of UFOs or magnetic forces or little green men? Or was it the Earth appealing for man's help to save the planet? Today, the world's press gathered in anticipation to hear the answer. Their interest had been aroused by an article in this morning's Today newspaper. At long last, there would be proof of earthly involvement. Two men in their 60s from Southampton had been making circles for years, and they would show how it was done. I lived in Australia from 1958 to 66. And when I came home, uh, during their time in Australia, there was a report in their newspapers of a circular depression in a grass field in Queensland, and they immediately called it a UFO nest. In other words, it was where a UFO had landed. I've always been a bit interested in UFOs and sightings and that sort of thing. But when I came home in 66, I met Dave, who was a fellow artist. And we used to go venture out on Friday evenings and have a chat about watercolours and things and have a pint of beer. And um, one evening, summer evening, we saw a cornfield and I I remarked to him about this. And um, I said, why don't we put a circular depression in this cornfield the same as they had out in Australia? I said, the UFO Society here, which was at its height at the time, Warminster especially, I said they would probably think that it is a UFO that had landed. All this could be said to be a somewhat flattening experience for the expert's expert on corn circles, Pat Delgado from Allsford in Hampshire. He's written two books on the subject. Was he convinced by the demonstration? I think it's impossible with the piece of equipment. They had a board and a rope and, and like it was a horse they were riding and... Um, I think the giveaway really is that when they put their, their foot on the board, the other, the other leg 
with all their weight on it and the weight of the board is obviously uh, on the crop that they've just pressed down so it would be quite easy to trace their, their footsteps uh, because he couldn't hop along on one leg it would have to, uh, unless he can hop along on one leg with a board. Others with doubts are the members of the Wessex Skeptic Society. They know a thing or two about hoaxes themselves. About five of us manufactured a circle on uh, land at Clinch Common, fairly complex central circle and a few satellites. And it was promptly and almost unanimously, I believe, uh, pronounced genuine by a great number of circles experts, including Terence Meaden. The men from the newspaper went away happy. They'd had the world's press literally running in circles. But for serious circle watchers, a lingering doubt remains. So there we go. Uh, that's, like I said, that's from South Today in 1991. American listeners, a little glimpse into 90s uh, news <laughs> reporting in the UK. I love the way the, he's, he's, he's obviously a bit of a West Country sort of lad. Yeah. And he's trying to sound all kind of proper about it. And he's basically like, me, me and Dave were out on the lash. And I thought, <laughs> I've got a bloody great idea. <laughs> I love the way he calls them UFOs. Uh, it's a, a bloody UFO nest. <laughs> And also, like, as if anyone else in the world knows where Warminster is. He's like, oh, the society's really big, especially over in Warminster. <laughs> oh, really? Warminster, you said? <laughs> oh, the Warminster UFO Society, okay. <laughs> you should have said. Uh, the, the newspaper, the famous newspaper article, um, you wouldn't have seen it on that video, but it showed it, was uh, the headline is, The Men Who Conned the World was oh. the, big, the big headline of the day when they announced themselves. Daily Mail? Uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it was just, I think it was just like the Today newspaper oh, or something, okay. one that doesn't exist anymore or something. <clears throat> yeah. So there we go. That was the that was a news report from like the week they sort of outed themselves. But I loved instantly. You can hear the people in the, on the defensive. Mm. That guy saying like, "Well, no, no way. It can't be. Can't be that simple. What about the footprints? You don't leave a. It's not mud. You don't leave a footprint in a, in a stalk. Yeah, that's it. Yeah." <laughs> So, but he is very desperately trying to cling on to the fact that he hasn't wasted the last 10 years. <laughs> That's it, yeah. You know, so you love getting something flipped upside down. It's going to take a little mm. while to actually come to that. It's sort of like yeah. people dig in, and he obviously has. Yeah, and there was a few other news reports that I looked at the other day. Um, they were sort of, all the channels were doing their own. There was an ITV one that was pretty good, but the audio quality was so bad, and I didn't want to use it. So I remember growing up, like a couple of times watching the news, and it was it was always be those segments right at the end. It's like handing over news. You yeah, know, you can tell, like, getting all jovial about it. Like a crop circle was found. That was what the ITV one was like. It was like a segment at the end of the news. I can't remember what he called it. Uh, I don't. I can't remember what he called it, but it was like a, you know, like John's Roundtable or something like that. <laughs> like they talk about something wacky that's going on. I love the way they always have to get in that little thing, by the way, in that news report where he's like, or is it little green men? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that guy. It's a little bit corny. Like, he was, he overdid it, I think. As someone who likes a pun. The hopes have been flattened. <laughs> Shut up. Left them running round in circles. <laughs> too many. Uh, it was, considering that was like two and a half minutes long, there was way too many puns. Most definitely. I counted, I counted three or four solid ones. <laughs> So, I suppose like, there's this one crop circle out of all of them that I kind of like the most. That might sound okay. like a bit of a weird thing to say, and it's just because of... Is it the one you've got tattooed across your back? <laughs> I've showed you, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, that's, uh, have you ever heard of the Arecibo message? Arecibo message. I, the, the name rings a bell. I'm going to look it up. You probably recognise it. It's, it's a um, it was an interstellar radio message uh, carrying basic information about humanity and the Earth that was sent to um, Globular Star Cluster M13 in 1974. It's like a pixelated image, basically, and it shows various information about like you know, our planet, our, our DNA, our, our counting system expressed in binary. It's, it's just, just in, an interesting little thing, a little experiment that they did. I've just seen it, yeah. And if, I'd recommend going on and looking up the Arecibo message, but there was an answer crop circle that a group did. Um, it was it was a hoax, obviously, but it was uh, done in 2001 near a place called Chill Bolton uh, Radio Telescope in Hampshire in the UK. And it's portrayed as a response to that message from an alien civilization. That's really good. So they got all the exact same sort of information. But one of the little changes they did on there, like obviously mentions carbon as the, the base for humanity. They changed that to be, I think it was sulfur, if I remember correctly. No, silicon. They changed it to right. silicon instead. So it was like from a silicon-based life. I thought it was uh, a really That's interesting great. way. And instead of uh, putting a um, little little pixelated man in there, they did a little alien, <laughs> typical looking little grey. It was really cool. I just I just looked it up, and that what a great concept. If they're if you're gonna prey on the fact that people think that crop circles are alien made, like what a really cool concept to go with on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, um, shall we go over some of the possible theories that aren't the fact that it's um, people walking around with planks? Yeah, yeah, let's. Well, the obvious one is that it's aliens, Mm -hmm. which we've kind of discussed. It's the landing pads, or it's the it's the you know the jets burning these shapes in, or I don't know, maybe it's them leaving a message for us that we're supposed to be able to decipher. Who knows? Um, uh, I personally don't think it's aliens. No, I don't want to speak for you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, Bob. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a no. The other theory is that it's people. We've talked about that. Um, were, uh, weather. Mm. Weather's a big one. So a lot of the places it takes place are obviously big flat fields um, with hills nearby so people think it's it's whirlwinds tornadoes rolling off the hills yep. i don't know how they roll off the hills and make perfect shapes in the middle of a field yeah. but this is an argument that people do um sort of stand by that they're caused by weather now i'm not saying that over the you know millions or well, not millions but you know thousands of years of human existence um that there isn't a possibility that a whirlwind could come down and land and hit a field and dig something up in a perfect pattern. Everything's possible, you know, million monkeys of million typewriters, etc. Yeah. Um and all of these ones that are unexplained, this twenty percent or you know, even less, could be a collection of these things. Just but I don't know. I'm not buying it personally. No. The weather argument. Now, I, th- I think there'd be some more evidence than just like, here's a picture in a field. And maybe, mm. you know, maybe you did that website I was talking about, obviously mentioned the electromagnetic interference with his little gizmo that he did, but surely there, there, there'd be something more thoroughly researched about these and there'd be some concern, especially for the people who really believe in them. They put some real stock in it and you know, really research it on a scientific basis, take samples, check for radioactivity and the like, yeah. any interesting chemical samples. But you don't see any of that from it. 
which is why I, I can't buy it. Well, that magnetism thing, that uh, electri- electricity, that's one of the the main theories as well. The um, so they say it's shifts in sort of the magnetic. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Movement, magnetic shifts in mm. in the on the planet, causing I don't know why that causes a crop to flatten in a pattern though. Like it's such a leap in a specific area. Yeah, yeah. When when science people say like magnetic shifts on the Earth, I can follow them a certain point. I don't know anything about that stuff, but even my like small scientific knowledge can grasp like, well, you know, the planet's magnetic mm. um, and, you know, the Earth shifts around and all that stuff. So, yeah, things can happen. Um, but I don't know how that then leads to it left a pretty pattern in a field in Wiltshire. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't make any <laughs> it's sense. Such, it's such a jump. I feel like I missed the middle chapter of the book. Exactly, yeah, it come down like perfectly in the middle of that field as well. You know, no path to it because you know, yeah, exactly. Tornadoes regularly they cut a path of destruction. They don't spiral around. That's the tornado. That's that's what annoys about the tornado theory. I'm just like there would be more of a trail, more of a destruction than this yeah. perfect pattern. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, the electricity, the electric readings in the crops, and that people. That's little sort of the magnet theory, mm. um, and yeah, I don't, I don't go for that either. I, I, I don't buy it. Like, well, one of the other ones I read weather-wise was ball lightning as well, but once again, that's such a barely understood topic. I, I can't even give it any credence. But I don't think it would start bouncing around, creating amazing, concentric, beautiful patterns with zero scorch marks. So this this is what um, everyone's favourite thing to hear on a podcast uh, reading from Wikipedia uh, says about magnetism of crop circles. Mm. In 2000, Colin Andrews, who had researched crop circles for 17 years, stated that while he believed that 80% were man-made, just that 80% again, he thought the remaining circles with less elaborate designs could be explained by a three-degree shift in the Earth's magnetic field that creates a current that electrocutes the crops, causing them to flatten and form the circle. Hmm. Again, it feels like I read the start and the end. It doesn't it doesn't link. I don't know why they're forming a pattern. That's... Why would it flatten? Yeah, I mean, surely you could do that by by doing electrical experiments on crops. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really get it myself. It doesn't make um, any sense to me. So that's the magnetic one. That's the weather one. The grain deformities. Um, so th- this is what I, I sort of alluded to earlier. They sort of found differences between the crops inside the circles to outside. The ones that had been flattened mm. had sort of different properties or certain like deformities to the grain. I again, I don't know what makes them flatten. Then, so even if you're telling me, "Oh, that grain's different to that," amazing! How amazing that this crop grew with a perfect pattern worth of grain with a deformity, and then that caused them all to bow down and. I don't I don't understand the link. Doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know if it's me being ignorant or if it's the idea not having any weight. I'm gonna go <laughs> with the latter on that one, because that just doesn't make any sense. Like they're either saying that whatever's doing it is causing some sort of mutation or it's just sheer freak luck that a farmer is going and plowing a field, scattering millions upon millions of seeds, and mm. then those freak few happen to grow in a, a fractal pattern. Don't think so. Unless the farmer did it on purpose, he had some deformed seeds that he laid around in a pattern. Yeah, that's it. He's like, oh, you're going to love this one. No, <laughs> I don't think so. 
Um, yeah. Did you hear any theories about it being caused by animals? Um, yeah, there was there was something in um, Australia where they, I think it was in Tasmania, they were trying to blame wallabies for wallabies. Uh, eating opium poppies and it caused them to run around in circles. And I was like, yeah, fair play. That's a Saturday night, isn't it? Yeah, I've got that one. Um, so yeah, you, you've basically done it. That's about as deep as that theory goes. Yeah. Wallabies <laughs> going nuts from opium. Uh, the other one is because I thought it was uh, hedgehogs in the UK. Hedgehogs having sex or something. I didn't. I dropped, I dropped my research because it was too well, stupid. How many? <laughs> <laughs> Firstly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, also be a hedgehog. Loads of hedgehogs just rutting. <laughs> <laughs> hedgehog orgy. That's a new one. That's a bad name right there. Yeah. So, and they're they're the sort of theories. That's what we got. Uh, weather, aliens, wow. animals, wallabies, hedgehogs, <laughs> um, magnetic shifts, uh, grain deformities. Like none of them have enough for me to really want to latch onto. Mm. There's there was one phrase that I did like. That, that came up in my research, which was from a guy called Terence Meaden, who was a meteor- meteorologist and physicist. In, and in 1980, he said that to create the interestingly complex patterns, he blamed an electromagnetohydrodynamic plasma vortex. And that Whoa. just sounds amazing. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, another one that I, I saw that was an alternate theory, which was kind of touched on a little bit in that uh, news article, actually, that you played. Um, mm-hmm. they, they said it's uh, Gaia theory um, right. about the planet asking us to stop global warming um, and the human oh. population, God or supernatural beings, um, or even the collective minds of humanity through a proposed quantum field or extraterrestrial communication via telepathy and sensing our global conscience is trying to imprint and send us messages. That's a good one. The message is, is not clear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they need to make it clearer. That's a, that's a good one, actually, because we've been thinking about messages being sent from above, but what if it's coming from below the ground or mm. from the ground itself, like saying, oi, you know, I don't know what it's telling, not, don't pollute or something. Uh, reuse, recycle, or <laughs> just like that across the field. But all it's ended up doing is increasing hippie tourism to the area briefly. Yeah, it's just led to more confusion and more pollution from people traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you came across this. So um, I said to um, one of my fellow co hosts on the network, Emma, that I was doing an episode with you about crop circles, mm. and she said to me, "Did you ever see the Danny Dyer documentary on crop circles?" Oh God, no, I've, I've seen his UFO one. He's like, "My name's Danny Dyer, and I believe in UFOs." <laughs> yeah, this is good. I, so I've chosen. I, there's, it's, it's worth just. C- can I just frame this guy quickly for your for your US listeners? Oh yeah, I've, I realise Americans might not know who he is. Jesus Christ! So. <laughs> He's, he's currently on the show EastEnders. Um, for those Is he still you, on EastEnders? I, I Probably, I don't know. All oh, right, okay, I don't know. He, EastEnders is essentially a, a, like a like a cheesy soap opera, and he mm. plays a bomb, and you're like, a proper landing geezer, but that's what he's been in everything he's in. He's one of those actors where everything Danny Dyer is in, he is Danny Dyer. You know, he's been yeah. in stuff like uh, the film Football Factory, where he played a football thug, and it's just him. He like, just always does this sort of thing. Gritty-voiced London geezer. But he's got a belief in the paranormal. 
He's he's a he's a fool that I kind of actually have grown to have some <laughs> sort of appreciation for. Because every now and then I see one of his amazing tweets. There's one that goes around uh, every year. It gets retweeted. Uh, that was just first tweeted in 2012. Do you know that one? No. About the uh, about 9/11. Oh God. <laughs> so I see this retweeted every year on uh, 9/11. His tweet was. Can't believe it's been nearly eleven years since them slags smashed into the twin towers. It still freaks my nut out to this day. Oh Christ, that sounds about right. So that's uh. all you need to know about him. But he did a documentary about crop circles, and I just—it's worth watching the whole thing. I just pulled out sort of like a couple of little, like minute-long bits to give to give you the idea. Oh please! And he's really like into his aliens. He believes uh-huh. in aliens. He wants crop circles to be real. And um, in this first clip I'm going to play now, he goes to a pub to meet some guys who he thinks know something about crop circles. And it's pretty clear when you're watching, these guys know about crop circles because they go around making crop circles. Um, And I also want to point out, you're not going to be able to see it in the video, but at one point he says, that mob. And when he says that mob, he's pointing upwards and he's talking about the aliens. (laughs) Oh, Christ. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, let me get to the right point in this video. I've heard there's a pub round here where some of the geezers who say they make the circles hang out. Because I'm so convinced that aliens have had their little green hands in all of this, I'm going to get in there and have a little natter. Crop circles in England. Decades of designs. Is it some kind of mockery? Some kind of sign. Matthew. Hello. Hello, sunshine. How you doing? Right. Not too bad. It's a strong shirt you got on here, first of all. <laughs> strong shirt. Lovely. Strong day. Um, now look, I've just experienced my first crop circle. Went up the hill, walked in it. A bit of a moment for me. Didn't know how I felt about it before. Now I've been spending time with people that believe, obviously, it's that mob. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I got—I was very impressed by how intricate they were, and, how, and how their designs are uh, very clever. You're going to tell me otherwise, aren't you? I mean, what do you believe? What do you believe these crop circles are about? Generally, yeah, I think you could say people are really doing this. So you're saying that every crop circle that's ever been made is by is by humans? Well, there's a couple that appear every year, and we don't know who makes them, you know. But they are in the minor numbers, and they're usually the simpler designs. Um, everything that's done by people is complicated geometry. How many people would it take then to do, you know, one 400 feet, say? I mean, what are you looking at? Well, 400 foot, you need about three people and maybe five hours at night. Um, if it was complicated, you add more people. Um, How many people? Well, about three, three people, you could do a four. Three people? Yeah. But you'd be working hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, you wouldn't think so. I've just been to the one, um, I can't remember what it's called, the one that's 1,500 foot. Right. One has been added to three times. Okay. Is yeah. that down to you then? Is it? Down? Um, I can't. I can't. You admit I that can't in case really you get. Admit anything because it's illegal you get activity. Get yeah. Get Criminal damage. How's you getting banged up for that? What are you in for, mate? Yeah, crop circles. Nice picture in the field. Lost about two minutes, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no! You shattered my. You shattered me fucking myth here. Look. <laughs> wow. So there we go. That's that's Danny Dyer meeting um, in the pub with some obvious (laughs) 
you know, crop circle makers and, and being a little bit disappointed that it wasn't aliens. I feel like the whole documentary is just him becoming more and more disappointed when he realizes that they're man-made. That's pretty standard for a diet documentary. Yeah, normally the viewers get more and more disappointed. <laughs> wow. Um, I've got, yeah, I've got like just under a minute extra of him when he comes out of the pub from talking to them people. Oh, please don't let so, me stop you. Carry on. Yeah, the, uh, so I'll play one more little bit. So this is him sort of uh, unpacking what he discovered in the pub of talking to the, after talking to those guys. See, I, I, I didn't expect that. I, I thought I was going to go in there all guns blazing and going, listen, there's aliens. You know, the fuck you think you are. You know, there's aliens out there. That, uh, it's impossible for men, for, for men to do that. But actually talking to them, it's easy to get sucked in on it. I don't want to just think it's some geezer, you know, with his arse hanging out, running around, putting bits of wood on the floor. Of course you want to look, you want, you want the fantasy, but it's just confused me even more, really. I don't want to write it off. Well, there's a couple that appear every year and we don't know who makes them. See these nodes? There's some mechanism which seems to be heating up the wheat. You know, because I do want to believe it's shit going on up there and you know we're on the verge of something massive but at the same time you know let's not underestimate human beings so there we go i kind of i kind of sympathize with him a little bit because like he's he's got that i want to believe attitude and i'm the same he's just obviously a lot more open-minded and willing to accept things at face value yeah he generally seems a little bit crushed Mm, that actually it's probably just all man-made Um, but yeah, it was interesting to see him go through that journey. So uh, thanks again, Emma, for cluing me into that. I, I don't think I could bring myself to watch the entire documentary because it <laughs> it's more of a comedy to me. Like, he's not a man that I can take seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, it's this. Even from that clip, which I only actually picked those clips out today, um, it's the same stuff going on again. Though when he's talking to those guys in the pub. They're saying, well, yeah, we're, they're all man-made. There's a couple that we actually don't know where they come from. Like, all these guys. They, it seems to be like a small community. Mm. And they all sort of know each other or know of each other or know each other's different styles. But even amongst them, there's this unknown sort of extra percentage. So that's, that's interesting in its own way. So it's almost got like that little Banksy of the crop circle world kind of yeah. thing going on. And yeah, who's not to say that they'll come out uh, you know, later in life? Because yeah, it's illegal at the end of the day. Or if they come out later in life, just go, yeah, that was us. We did that. I saw some uh, clips from an episode of QI mm. of people where they were talking about crop circles and they had people in the audience who did crop circles and they commissioned them to do one of the QI lo- logo in a field. Oh, wow. And they did it because they were commissioned to do it, but then I think they were a little bit hesitant to say that they had done other ones. I imagine so, yeah. Yeah, because they were on telly. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, it's not it's not that sort of thing where it's just a, like a rap on the knuckles either because it's like destruction of property. So oh, yeah, criminal you, damage. You get dragged yeah. to court through that, yeah. And it's happened in other countries. I read... Um, Oh, where was it? In the, there's a guy in Hungary who got taken to court and was fined somewhere near three grand. Uh, there's wow. a guy in the UK who was arrested. It was in 2000, though, but he was fined £100 of £40,000. Oh. That's, that's a bit of a rough. <laughs> to me, that's worth it. I'd pay £100 to like, yeah, I know. make cool. a cool crop circle that people noticed. <laughs> it does seem like a lot of work, though. It does, yeah. yeah. And I suppose for groups like that, if you want to do it as like a professional hobby, well, professional, he says, uh, like, a, like a hobby sort of thing and be mm. good at it, then you'd want to stay off the authorities' radars because they'd be watching you. And whenever one come up, they'd be rapping on your door. Have you ever seen a really bad crop circle? 
I can't say I have. <laughs> no, neither have I. They're all really good. I can't. I'm just trying to imagine like someone's like first time, and they try to do a perfect circle, and you look at it, and it's more like a big aubergine in a field or something. <laughs> Some I've never that. seen like a really bad crop circle. You're gonna love it. I just, uh, <laughs> I just googled uh, shit crop circle. The first thing that come up. The DailyMail.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. And, and the headline, you can love this even more. Worst crop circles ever. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the fact that there are bad ones just sort of says that more that it's humans as well. Like someone else has gone, oh, yeah, I'm going to give that a go. Oh, these look particularly terrible. Yeah, I'm looking at one of them just a square. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, a heart shape. Someone's on a diamond. Yeah, it doesn't scream aliens to me. No. No. Did they ever do crop circles on the X-Files? Oh, I feel like they must have. Yeah. The thing is with the X-Files, there's so many episodes. I know. And I've seen them all. (laughs) And I forget what they they did and what they didn't. Um, Actually, I do have one more thing. Um, it's another short video clip. It's about a minute long. But this is um, a guy called Paul Kingsley. Mm. Uh, from Canada, who's part of the Simon Fraser University. And it's him him weighing in on crop circles. Okay. Theories range from magnetic pulses from the iron core of the Earth. There are theories of extraterrestrial visitation. There are lots of theories about aquifers, these underground water systems that uh, carry forces of of energy. There are uh, theories of portals to other dimensions within the Earth. But no one can explain the complexity and the uh, frequency of these crop circles, which don't just appear in southwest England, but in many uh, places around the world, including here in Canada. There has been experiments done taking the seeds from these crop circles, and the yields are much higher than crops outside of the crop circle in the same field. So one theory is that there is a a kind of pulse of energy coming up from the Earth's core or below the crust to increase the fertility of crops, which were so important with the introduction of agriculture in, in human history. I'll stop it there. He does go on a little bit more. But what I found interesting about that clip is that he is a professor at the uh, Simon Fraser University in Canada, but he Mm. seems more on the side of like, no, no, there's something about this. Yeah. And the other thing I don't understand with his thesis there is he said energy coming up from the earth. Why would it cause the crops to flatten? Yeah, I don't know. It almost sounds like what you were saying about the Earth talking to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It almost sounds like he's trying to relay that onto like a more scientific thing. Um, I love that some of, he did actually mention a couple of theories that we didn't mention. Um, portals, them being remnants of some sort of portal. I don't know how you turn it on and off uh, or where they go to. But portals was another theory I forgot to mention earlier. Why, why are they all in Wiltshire? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was like the waiting room or something. <laughs> Poor aliens. And the other one is these aquifers, mm. uh, tunnels of water underneath the earth. Mm. I, I don't buy that either. It's not really a good tunnel if it's just in a circle. Yeah, and that, how's it making these crazy concentric patterns? It doesn't make yeah, I don't sense. know. And surely you'd see that in other places because aquifers aren't purely under farmers' fields. They're they're all over the show. You'd see that on just regular plains and meadows and the like. Exactly, and they wouldn't be perfectly patterned. It would be more random, just lines and stuff. Mm. So I don't... The whole magnetism thing, this might just be me being ignorant, 
But how does a magnet pull a grain? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, answer, it doesn't. <laughs> They're growing ball-bearing crops. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and that, that's kind of all I have, it, it, unless you have anything more. Well, I suppose the only other thing I can really mention is that a majority of the cases that I've seen happen in... Uh, white western countries uh you know mm. like don't see big occurrences through africa and south america and there's been a couple over in east asia uh a couple in japan have been noted but right generally it's a very uh yeah western world sort of phenomenon. people with too much time on their hands yeah most definitely is what you're saying yes <laughs> people who don't have their own problems yeah people who have just been down the pub and they've gone seen the field over the way it seems to be like the three most prominent places is are, are the uk australia and canada yeah yeah and there's some some in the us as well but mm. they seem to be the three most prominent yeah, no, the only other thing that I saw that kind of ties into it in a very, very fringe way is uh, another little bit of folklore. Uh, we talk about fairy rings. You know, where you get, oh, like, yeah, uh, I did see this. Yeah, yeah go on. So you get like, uh, mushrooms that grow in circles. And yeah. you can go online and find pictures of these. And it's like these perfect circular growths of, of fungus. Um, I, I must admit, I don't know what the explanation for that is, but you know, the old folklore thing was it was where the fairies convene and they use the mushrooms as their seats. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, some people have brought that into UFOlogy as well and said, you know, is that where uh, some sort of communication hub for aliens are using mushrooms because of the networking nature of them? And, okay. Yeah, all sorts of uh, guff that's based around it. Yeah. Um, I do actually find mushrooms and, and mushroom networks and stuff fascinating. Oh, most definitely, um, yeah. I don't know how unexplainable it is, but we've been talking for a long time about just doing a Weird Tales episode on mushrooms because they're so weird. <laughs> Tiss is your man for that one, surely. Yeah, I don't know. It's because we, I think all three of us recently had watched this documentary separately, but we'd all been talking about it, like gushing about how interesting it was. Um, mm. I don't know if you've seen it, one called Fantastic Fungi. No. I've seen some documentaries on them, though, and it's fascinating. Mm. it's really worth a watch it's really fascinating um but yeah mushrooms i find interesting but i don't know how i don't yeah um fairy circles um, again yeah I'm, I'm not buying it i'm not buying it it's just a natural phenomena and they're just no. trying to attack it in because it's round that's it yeah but um i'm glad we covered it i'm glad i put we've put crop circles to bed it's basically just guys in you know wiltshire walking around with planks <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the people over the years have asked us to do a crop circles episode. You've got it now, and we've done our best. I think we've, I think we've given it a fair shake. As fair a shake as you can give it, you know. There's, there's, yeah. there's no like silver bullet here that's saying this is something paranormal. And if there was, we would happily discuss it, most definitely. But when all the evidence points to the fact it's bullshit, we're not here as some sort of <laughs> government shill to try and shut down the crop circle movement. We're just two blokes who are just speaking our minds about it. So, Rick, I hope next time I'll come up with um, an episode we're not going to be so sceptical on. I, I would very much enjoy that. Something that's really going to get the old noodle bacon. Yeah, I think I've got an idea. I've got a list of ideas that are like Weird Tales Revisited ideas, and I need to go over that. But I've got one in the back of my head, which might be the one. Excellent. Um, so I'll let you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like uh, all the listeners have heard is me just going, nope. <laughs> just a lot. Yeah, I mean, b- <laughs> before you came on to the show, I was like the sceptic, and now you've dethroned <laughs> me. <laughs> so everyone, if you want to get in contact with the show, um, 
you can do so via the email, which is unexplainableuk at mail.com, or you can go to the website weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com and contact through there. Also on that website, you can find, let me think of all the things you can do there. You can find ways to contact us, like I just said. Um, You can find our social media pages. You can find ways to donate to the show monetarily if you're feeling flush. You can find links to the Tee Public store where you can buy merchandise um, and blogs for old episodes and things like that. I'm sure there's other things I'm forgetting. Uh, You can also go to my website. That's bobshoy.com, B-O-B-S-H-O-Y.com. Weird Tales is part of the Bob Shoy Podcast Network. You can see other shows I work on there and you might enjoy those and links to the other shows and things. You can also uh, go to patreon.com slash bobshoy, which is where you can support my time researching and editing for this as well as those podcasts. And finally, you can go to bobshoy.bandcamp.com where there are bonus episodes of Weird Tales Revisited um, as well as other things, some bonus weird news and things uh, which you can buy for a very reasonable price and get some extra listening content if you are looking for something to listen to during the break because this is the last episode of this run of Weird Tales. We have our usual month off now and we'll be back in May for another two-month run. So feel free to contact us uh, during that time and suggest episodes you'd like to hear and all those things. Just say hi. We've been getting lots of emails recently and trying to work through them. We get quite a lot and I've been incredibly busy. Uh, So if you haven't heard back from us yet, uh, don't fear. We will get to them and hopefully we'll respond. I think I'm still working through like February's emails, but I, I do try and respond to every one of them. And uh, finally, another shout out to Stray Cat Rescue in Buckinghamshire, who are our um, charity for this run of episodes. Uh, we sent a nice uh, donation their way um, to help out all those cats. And they do great work over there. So, And um, yeah, if you have suggestions for charities and stuff for next time, uh, we do get a lot of those. And we tend to try and pick smaller charities or ones that are particularly uh, close to us. But we'll see. Um, always welcome for suggestions for those as well. So um, if you don't know every run of episodes we try and we give away half our advertising money to a selected charity for that time so yeah we haven't chosen one for next time yet so let's wrap up this episode anyway and there we go that's this uh run of episodes all done uh thanks for joining me again rick i like having you on to like cap off each run of weird tales that's be great always a pleasure mate really enjoyed doing this and uh, we'll be back in whenever it is. I always say we'll be back and I don't actually know the dates or anything. But listeners, you know by now, we'll be back. We have a month off and then we do five episodes and Rick's always on the capper of those. So we'll be back and hopefully Rick won't be so cynical next time. Hopefully. I'm going to try and lure him into something. No promises. Be like, Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but until then, thanks for listening, everyone. And love you lots. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.